Shri Gauri Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ke Jai. Evening. Questions tonight? Yes, Kalchandra. If you could uh, speak a little bit about the teachable moment. Teachable moment. Like in the disciples' point of view and the guru's point of view? Well, um, I think that um, the Bhagavad sloka describing the guru that I often cite that it's probably the most oft-cited of the Goswamis um, of verses describing the guru, which includes the description of the disciple, kind of sums up the the spirit of a teachable moment. Tasmad Guru Prapadyeta Jignasu Shreya Uttamam. Jignasu Shreya Uttamam. Jignasu means to inquire. And Shreya Uttam means about the ultimate good, about a, a comprehensive solution to the problem. Prabhupada once said that not everybody needs a guru, but only someone that wants to bring about a comprehensive solution to the problems of life. Most people want a band-aid and want to stay in the problem and uh, adjust it, move the burden from one shoulder to another, to the head, back to the other shoulder, and so forth. So, um, another term that's sometimes used is to be a kinchinagocha, to be materially exhausted. I believe Kunti Deva used this, the, those, those words, Tom Makinchina Gochara. So, um, <clears throat> uh, in the full kind of spirit of it, it's kind of a material exhaustion. You've exhausted the um, possibilities in your own mind, the possibilities of being material and being successful. To, it's kind of an oxymoron. The two don't just don't mix being material and being successful. Well, it's often thought we should be materially successful. There's no success within the confines of, of material uh, existence. This is a very sattvic sensibility. Um, the sattvic disposition is one that can't tolerate the idea of... Um, Pursuing something that doesn't endure, or living in a world in, in a world that doesn't endure, any ideas for attainment, for um, um, yeah, attainment, what I will do, what, what I will be, how I'll spend my time, um, that uh, and uh, uh, that don't endure, lack. Um, uh, failed to be compelling. When I was young, before I found Prabhupada, I used to sit and think, what will I do? What will I be? What will I do? You know, what will we be when you grow up? You know, And everything I thought of, uh, it, it, it all, you know, it was all temporary. and I couldn't be satisfied on that basis. So I used to go and ask people, how do you, I meditate. I thought I should. I read the book Siddhartha. I thought I should become something like that. <laughs> Herman Hesse's book. Um, so um, it's um, I'm talking about it kind of in a, in a broader way. Kind of what what 
um, what we all uh, experience to some extent to find ourselves here. Hmm. Some sense that the prospects of material life all fall short and there's a, a hope for something uh, enduring. Um, of course, then we enter in and then there we have more and less kind of teachable moments, I suppose. I think that the, in one sense, the, the art of preaching is to create teachable moments to try to continue to um, keep the disciples um, in anticipation and expectation and uh, and uh, by way of providing knowledge uh, properties to provide for example uh, you know a, a lecture a day and uh, three four hundred page book a month um, which is quite a bit of information and um, to gather and so forth it it um, um, was hard to uh, to uh, to uh, keep up keep up with and so the sense that there was something to learn we are yes, we are students forever uh, there's no, uh, no 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 graduation so to speak I mean from one perspective we may have graduated and have students but from the other side we still find ourselves to be students and we learn from our our students also and and uh, and so even the guru uh, kind of could be said stays in an eternally teachable moment himself herself if they're properly understood in the school as Pujapachita Marsh like to say we're all students forever such is the nature of the subject so to keep that kind of perspective hmm is to remain in a teachable moment and there's always something to learn. There's always room to, 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 to grow and flourish. And, and that, that is the prem. You know, prem is, is, a, is a being and it's a, it's a becoming, an eternal becoming, very different from the uh, Advaitin idea, the end of becoming and just being. So it's, it's a super kind of becoming. Prem is full, and it's ever increasing, so those are obviously contradictory. Um, but nonetheless, such is the, the it's its nature. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as much as I suppose you could say we can keep that in mind, or our guides can help us to keep that kind of sensibility, then there's some um, excitement, something to learn, somewhere to go, something to something to attain. Where will Krishna go next? Hmm. What will he do today? Hmm. Every morning, going for the herding of cows. And there will be similarities, but every day there will be some nuance, some difference, hmm. some new demon, some new game to play, some new place to find, uh, and so forth. Um, so the art, I think, is to kind of try to keep that sensibility and any kind of kind of preacher tries uh, to do that it's not always easy because while we basically come in a teachable moment 
and we want a comprehensive solution, we still maybe don't want it entirely, and we you know, we can take part of it, and we can we can reach a, a plateau and 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 so forth, and uh, of um, I want to say that we sometimes can't be at peace because we want to know the uh, the meaning of life, and then we know when we just get on with our life <laughs> instead of pursuing the meaning, embracing it. So you can you, there's a there's a chance for knowing it theoretically in a in a basic sense, and then um, just making it music. In the in the background and carrying on more or less with an ordinary life, which means not to really know it, not to have really understood it. So, so at any rate, the, uh, the art is to is to try to uh, create and keep students in in teachable um, moments, and they have their conditioning. So, um, it's not really, it's it's. Uh, Everybody's not entirely uh, cooperative. Sometimes it's like walking on eggshells or something like that. <laughs> you want to tell somebody what's good for them, but they're less there in a receptive space. It doesn't go in and and and, and then settle there, so forth. So, so given that that it's an art, sometimes you can't tell everybody everything, and you kind of dance around and. Look for those moments. Try to create those moments, and then uh, enter in, and and uh, that's kind of the, the dance of, of preaching. Just like if you're selling a book to somebody, you need you know create a moment where their their defenses drop, so to speak, for a few seconds, and there's some bonding on some level and some exchange and and so forth. But not everybody's receptive, or they're receptive to a point, but when they ask for the donation, <laughs> they hand through the book back, something like that. So, so when you go out and and try to preach, as you're going to do, then you'll, you, can, you can get some experience of that, that uh, creating a teachable moment of sorts hmm, is what you successfully do when you get someone to take the book and listen. Hmm? Um, in order to do that, you have to do sometimes what's, what might be the opposite. You might talk about just absolutely nothing that has anything to do with what you want to talk about. You might just want to listen listen to them. You just listen to a person long enough and you can create a teachable moment. Let them just talk about everything that's on their mind. They get it off their chest, they get it out, and you're interesting, you know. And then, you, you know, then you... Try to find something in there that's interesting, and then talk about it from a Krishna conscious perspective in a broad way, depending on who you're talking to and what the circumstances are. Then you, then you find some camaraderie and and then some some willingness to uh, to learn, or the thought that you might have something to to add, and the book might might contain something of value relative to their stated interests and so forth. So, um, I, I don't know exactly what you're looking for by your, your questions. I don't know if I'm addressing it um, in, a, in a satisfactory way. Um, but 
basically, you know, like in school, for example, you know, I, I don't know what it's, I get some idea what it's like now. You know, you got to wear a bulletproof vest for the teach for the teacher. You know, to the school, and kids just aren't always very interested, and they're on their tablets or iPads sexting one another or something. Who knows what? <laughs> and you're trying to teach him about you know algebra or something. You know, and so they do different things. I suppose to try to create. Uh, teachable moments. They try to communicate with them, be friends with them, care about them on some other level or something like that, somehow get their attention and um, something something like that. It's a, it's a challenge. Does that help at all? Yeah, I suppose I was thinking teachable moment is generally like kind of a hitting of rock bottom, but when you, as you mentioned, like a bonding moment, is the other side of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess what I spoke about at first, that this, that wanting to, twam makin materially exhausted, I have no uh, prospect, material world just doesn't look very, uh, I'm not attracted by the neon lights. It's not going to satisfy me. And this kind of bottomed out. That's the, that's the same idea there. Then, then you're, you're you're making progress, so to speak. You're, and the heart is open for something to come in. So, to you know, paint a picture as such, which is the reality. Of, that the material life is is just one big appetizer, as I sometimes say, and it's not nothing but indigestion. You never get the square meal. Hmm. That's painting that type of picture artfully hmm. can create a teachable moment. That's with the terms of negative impetus. Hmm. Now, there may be also... Um, within the context of that, having created that positive impetus by which one can create a teachable moment. Mm. By speaking about subjects of um, attainment, positive attainment, art the priority. Mm. There's art the unart the nivrity and there's art the priority. So there's the negative side, the prospect that arises from the uh, negative impetus of material existence. There's no. There's nowhere worth going. There's nothing compelling. Nothing that can fully capture me. Hmm. There, I lose prospects. So we have negative impetus, and then on the other side, at a certain point, there will be a positive impetus that will create a teachable moment. And it may be, in a lower sense, knowledge of tattva. Hmm. and so forth and I find it interesting ah, there's another point and another way of thinking about it and, and so forth that can that metaphor that angle that verse that different point that you haven't heard before and then of course in terms of taste hmm. as well hmm. um which is always specific, Ruchi is, 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 is specific.
So when one expresses that in a particular way, it can create a teachable moment, an openness to hear more. We heard, and Rinaranda was just reading to me some of the statements of uh, a fellow who's commonly known as Dadu, who used to hang out with the with the joined the Krishna Balaram Temple. And um, he's a Bengali, he passed away now. I never met him, he joined there after me. He was older older than me, and he was had come to Vrindavan looking for Sakirasa. And um, he was, uh, uh, I guess he had written something, and it was published on this uh, a Facebook forum, Prayo Bhakti Rasa, about Sakyarasa that some of people in our group started some time ago. And uh, he said, I went to Radhakund. I lived there for two, three years. And Anantadas Babaji is the Mahant that Radhakund in the line of Raghunath Das Goswami. He said, I told him that I, I, I have my aspiration is to follow Ujjwal Saka and deliver messages to to Radharani and and uh, and all day long and sport in the forest with Krishna and cows and so forth and I want a place in Gorlila also and uh, and he tried to convince me that uh, it's not possible this is this is the folly and it's only um, Madurasa and but he could not convince me. <laughs> I was amazed to think that to hear uh, real greed like that on the part of someone like Anantadas as a learned person and not recognize it for what it is and uh, acknowledge it and rather to try to, to, to change it so forth. It seems sacrilegious <laughs> from my perspective. <laughs> and uh, of course we find in Mahaprabhu when he saw real greed, then he was very happy with that. Otherwise he would preach in a certain way, but if he saw real greed for Narayan Bhakti or Ram Bhakti, then he would pay his respects to that. So anyway, the Dadu said, then he came to the Krishna Balaram temple. Hmm. He found out about it. So, oh, Krishna, there's a Krishna Balaram temple in Vrindavan. started by somebody, somebody came there and then he tried to get permission to join and Dina Bandhu, my god brother, I think he's some type of administrator there and been there for a long time, gave him permission to join. Hmm. But tried to convince him, no, no, you can't get Sakyaras in Vrindavan, it's only, only Madhurya Rasa. Hmm. And he, he said, but he could not convince me and I told Krishna Balaram, they are in the center here. Center all the time. Ransham Sundar is there, and so Madhuri Ras is there, Gornatai is the Krishna Balaram in the center. This is a simple kind of logic. Mm. Krishna Balaram in the center. So, mm. surely they can give. I have not got a mantra, the mantra, and I, so I cannot do any bhajan. I'm too old. I'm only praying for Kripa that I, this would be my attainment. So I had this aspiration. <laughs> and then he said, and, and there are three spires. You know, on top of the temple, and Krishna Balaram's is the tallest. Therefore, <laughs> therefore, you see, they can give. This is the place, and 
So he's telling Dina Bond, you got it wrong, you know. This is just so you, so you hear things like that. If this is your leaning, and then see it becomes a teachable moment where everyone becomes enthused to hear. So, in terms of art, the probity, hmm, prospect, then there's what you can speak of the other side, negative, hmm, um, impetus, and so forth. So, that's, that's, that's the art of preaching, to try to keep the teachable moment. You flood the students with knowledge and understanding and so forth, and it's a good. They don't at least have the opportunity to reach to the point where they think they know more. They've known everything. They've got it all, and then it's it's, it's a process. And the only thing left to do is to teach somebody else about it, because you already know it all. And uh, and I've seen like that. I've given lectures sometimes, and and um, and good lectures. And someone in the crowd. Like some godbrother or something, or he asks a question afterwards. Marge, um, uh, uh, could you say something about the chanting? You know, people need to know about the chanting, and uh, is, the, is the implication you, know, you didn't say anything about the chanting? You know, and and people like the whole time he was listening, and, and I was making great points for him also. But they just no teachable moment there. He already had already learned it all. I knew it all. I read all the books. I mean. Everything's in Prabhupada's books, right? So I've read them once. So <laughs> I, I know everything. I mean, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 okay. okay. I mean, let's tell other people about it, and that's all that's left. Then, then that's, um, I mean, that's, that's not what Prabhupada created, but, you know, wake of his disappearance. Some people, to some extent, seem to have created that type of environment. The knowledge is static, it's all there, it's done, it's finished, it's all been said. The only thing left to do is to hand it out to other people and so forth. So that's um, problematic. And then when you do start teaching something that is a development of that thought, so whether it seems like a foreign imposition, some other teaching, something like that. So, but in Prabhupada's mission in his time, he had us ready to stand up, sit down, stand on your head, sell books, burn all the books, you know, we whatever, we was ready to, ready to do at any, any, any time. So he was able to, keep many students in a very uh, teachable moment. And he had help of some students also who were able to assist him in that, obviously, locally and so forth, because he wasn't everywhere um, personally at all, at all times. So. But that's, that's what we, uh, we try to do. That help? Yeah. What else? Yes. Follow up question on the um, Prabhu is at the Krishna Balaram temple and had three. Yeah. I'm wondering how can you distinguish I think the Acharyas say there's different types of greed. Greed that like comes and goes. Then there's substantial greed, which it seems that this Prabhu had. So how can you distinguish between the two? Well, um, one way to distinguish is that the greed or taste, it's basically the same idea, hmm. different words for the same thing, because ruchi means taste, and the stage of ruchi bhakti uh, implies uh, taste, and the taste is specific. Hmm. So when you say, I've got a taste, i got enthused, something, and my mind stopped for 
during the kirtan, and I actually heard the mantra, and it was nice and, and different than anything you know in the material world I could have done. And I'm glad I'm here, and so forth. That's very general, hmm? and um, so little Atmananda, and little little Bhakti Ananda, or an Abbas. Hmm? It can be sometimes of of real bhava. So in, in Ruchi, then the, the taste is is uh, specific, and it, it forms the basis of one's life of bhajan, and it is characterized marginally by what? Nadanam 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 kabitam ba. So uh, that means I don't have a taste for. The world, hmm? for wealth, for fame, for relationship, for for money, for for learning. <laughs> you know, one time, uh, one of my godbrothers um, was two of my godbrothers were out, and they were, uh, I think, they were selling books to university uh, scholars, Prabhupada's books, like a set of Prabhupada's Bhagavatams, and. Um, so uh, one went out on the campus during the day for some other kind of book distribution or something. And the other one was uh, 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 in the library. And so they, they came back and they met each other in, in the evening. And one asked how to go and he said, Oh, a lot of my out there today. Hmm. And so the, 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 the one said, you know, a lot of, uh, who was on campus, a lot of women, huh? Something like that. So he had, he, and he said, no, books, a lot of books. He was in the library. <laughs> a lot of my out there, so many things to learn about, so many interesting topics I could have read about this or that. Mahaprabhu says, Kavitamba. Learning to the arts and so forth, could be poetry, knowledge for its own sake. It's a bit addictive and so forth. So anyway, the point is no interest in in other things leaves room for interest in bhakti, and so greed for bhakti, really, in a specific way, fits not something that's fleeting, will have a corresponding marginal characteristic of no greed for anything else. You should have translated mundane greed, hmm? for example. Um, uh, and really, and we're talking about Ruchi Bhakti, but before that, of course, we, you know, we, we should know, theoretically, what Sampradaya we're connected with and what the as I call them, windows of opportunities there are that Sampradaya offers and so forth, and what are coming in our line. And if we're astute a little bit, um, um, have enough interest to be able to find out what is our, our Guru's ideal and so forth, what is the Krishnanandaya, Dhimahi, that the Guru Mantra um, we, we, we repeat every day is, is, is uh, speaking about and so forth. And then theoretically, if we know. We're going in this way. It's come to me in this way. Bhakti's come to me in this way. So I'm going there. That's 
kind of a part of nishta. Nishta involves some intellect. Ruchi involves some intellect too, but not in the same way. So intellectually you can fix the goal and have some enthusiasm for it like that before Ruchi, but hmm, Ruchi will be. Um, real greed and 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 it has the corresponding, as Jiva Goswami explains in Bhakti Sandarbha, feature of when greed comes, the heart becomes cleansed. And this is an important point because there's no qualification for rag bhakti other than interest in the subject. So if you hear about Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan and that's what you want to attain as a gopa or a gopi, you could say that what you should tread the rag mark. You're on the rag mark, but then rag mark to tread it fully requires meditation on the pastimes, on those particular types of devotees and those sentiments and so forth. But then meditation can't be done without a clean heart, whereas bhakti, shravanam, kirtanam can. So, therefore, uh, there's uh, stages, you can say, of adhikar eligibility for rag bhakti, at which time, as we develop with them, we can incorporate more of the practices that's why Rupa Goswami or Jiva Goswami coins this term Ajata Ruchi Raghunuga Bhakta he doesn't have a taste but he's a Rag Bhakta he has a taste because he's met someone who's got a taste and his mind has gone that direction and so he's not going to settle for Vaikuntha or something something else and so he wants to go in that direction he incorporates what he can and, and sustains that um, ideal with the practices of, of Vaidhi Bhakti and proportionally, as the heart becomes cleansed, then he, he, he has, this is the first stage, three, three aspects of Raghunuga Bhakti in terms of practice. To meditate on those, uh, that type of love hmm, embodied by those devotees that's coming to us, generally it means through the Guru Parampara and the form of our Guru. Hmm. So, one, and okay, so you need to, then, 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 this to do seva in a sadaka deha and a siddha deha. Hmm? And three, to support all this with vaidhi bhakti, hmm? hearing, chanting, and so forth. Uh, all the relative practices of bhakti that, uh, other than a few that pertain only to vaidhi bhakti, like worshipping the queens of Dwaraka, we don't do that. Hmm? It's not part of our practice. So basically, hearing, chanting, and, uh, and then that, that, and that, as we go, the chanting and hearing would be refined mm. and his focus and so forth. So, seva sadaka siddhina siddha rupena chaturhi, service in the two bodies, but you've got to do the service in the siddha sadaka deha first, fully. That's been given to you. Mm. I told the story, Guru gave the sadaka deha name, and, Guru, and the disciple said, Gurudev, what about? about the Siddharupa. He says, you didn't like what I gave you? <laughs> it wasn't, you didn't like that? You're done with that already? Hmm? Turn your body into a real sadhaka deha. Then Siddha will, will will naturally come. So there's some place for growth in terms of eligibility and then as that occurs to incorporate fully all the practices. I suppose you can incorporate them on some level, hmm? but again, 
meditation requires a clean heart. This is the one of the reasons why kirtan is, is extol its virtues. It doesn't require a clean heart. It will cleanse the, cleanse the heart. So, so as taste actually comes, real taste, then there will be the corresponding um, elimination of other tastes, interests, and desires. And where there's this kind of taste, I only want to talk about, you know, Anjuri Bhav and nothing else and so forth. But there's all kind of other interests as well that uh, show up. Then persons might be better off scrubbing them and mopping them hmm. instead of hearing and chanting about and, uh I mean, that's good too, of course, it's important, but there may be some practical services that may help them to cleanse the heart. Hmm. So before Ruchi, taste is fleeting. Comes and goes. And it may not be specific. Just, wow, felt enlivened. And so forth. Hmm. What else? Oh, cool. Um, <clears throat> I saw recently a small book. It's called Simple for the Simple. Mm-hmm. And there's a like really nice story there. I haven't read it all, I just have gone through it. <clears throat> but what uh, kind of struck me somewhere is that there was not that much uh, thought found there. I don't know if you, if you were... If I'm familiar with the book. A book called Simple for the Simple. So basically, I guess the message from, the, from this book was just try to be a simple devotee and just serve and you don't have to like know much mm-hmm. you were playing um, the goal and then recently um, I read something but it's not says what he said he said that um, if one is lazy in understanding Siddhanta he will not give up his anathas yeah, I can say something about the book uh, Simple for the Simple. First of all, um, I either saw the book or scanned it, read it quickly, I think was told about it, discussed it. I think I discussed it once at some length with Vrindaranya and maybe Gurnishta. With Vrindaranya. And um, the book is a book published by uh, some Iskand devotees about a devotee in Europe a lady who was a nice devotee who died and and then there was I guess she had cancer so there was she was going to die at certain periods and so they all stood around her and put Tulsi leaves on her eyes and made sure they were chanting and these kind of things and then it didn't happen and then it was going on for a while like that and so in the context of all of this in at moments near her death or something, she started to talk about Krishna and wanting to serve like Mother Yasoda or something like that and help Mother Yasoda and, and um, as a little girl or something like that. And, and so the, um, the purport of the book was hmm, that she was completely not political. Hmm. She didn't have much knowledge. She was just a simple 
And here's the per- important point. Devotee of Iskon. Hmm? Hmm? And she completely attained prema. Therefore, the teaching is the political teaching of the book. <laughs> That's what it is. It's a, bo- it's a political book, hmm, really, that uses this instance um, in a way to make a political statement. Don't, you don't need to leave ISKCON. Even though there may be more knowledge elsewhere, and these guys could talk about so many things that we can't talk about, we don't have to talk about them. Just see, we attain Prem right here, just like this, just by being a simple devotee. And so it was a very political statement. It was insidious, I thought, um, in that respect. <laughs> um, and, of course, uh, on top of that, if you study it carefully, then the whole thing tends to fall uh, apart. Because if you, know, if, you, if you have the knowledge that, I guess... The guy was saying Iskand doesn't have. <laughs> then, he, then you can know what the parameters of Rasa Tattva are, and, and you can see this isn't making sense. Her aspiration isn't entirely making sense in terms of how the Leela works and so forth. Um, there were some minimal details. So, what was happening to her exactly? You know, who, who can say? I'm sure she was a nice devotee and, and simple and, and so forth. And, and I think she probably. Uh, attained more than whoever put the political spin on the book and wanted to turn it into a political type of sectarian um, message of religious fanaticism and so forth. But um, but again, with the knowledge hmm, of tattva, ras tattva and so forth, that are given by our acharyas, that are given to us hmm, when we're initiated, we're initiated into a sampradaya, so we're not, these things are not, not barred from reading. Of course, the Guru may say, first read this, read this, and so forth, but the, the wealth of the teaching is there for all of us. Hmm. Um, so, uh, if you have that, then then that could have, a different perspective on that, what was happening, could have um, been put in place, and she could have been helped better hmm, to hone any enthusiasm that she, she might have had. Hmm. So, but then the overall question I think that uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur and Bhakti Thakur, they did very much emphasize this importance of tattva and samanda gyan and so forth because they were their experience was there were many people in Bengal chanting calling themselves Gaur Bhaktas and so forth and they weren't getting Gaur, Gaur Prem hmm. and so that's where you get this emphasis on siksha it's a siksha line and so when people say that they don't know what they're talking about really um, they do it to minimize diksha, and that's hardly the the idea. Of course, if the diksha is lacking, as it was in the case of many in uh, in Bengal at the time, then um, it could be compensated for by considerable siksha in association with a with a competent siksha guru. Someone asked, I think it was Nick the other day, made a statement, and I didn't reply to it directly, but uh, it's worth uh, replying to at the moment. And his statement was that Bhakti Vinod Thakur has relationship with Bipin Bihari Goswami. There are some questions about the qualifications of Bipin Bihari Goswami, whom he took diksha from. You won't find those questions anywhere in the words of Bhakti Vinod. He speaks very highly of Bipin Bihari Goswami, but there are some things about him that have been said and, um, by others. And Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur had a particular perspective on Bipin Bihari Goswami. 
Bhipan Bihari Goswami rejected the, um, the discovery of Bhakti Vinod, of the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mm, so, some problems there. But the, the position of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur was that what we see in Bhipan Bihari Goswami, this was his position, we don't see, what we see in Bhakti Vinod, we don't see in Bhipan Bihari Goswami. Mm, but we see it in Jagannath Das Babaji. And Jagannath Das Babaji, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur considered that his perspective was that the, he was the Siksha Guru of Bhakti Thakur, and, and he verified the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu hmm, when he was brought there by Bhakti Vinod hmm, in, 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 in a basket. They brought him. He, he was over a hundred. He couldn't walk. He was in a basket, and he, he kind of kind of danced in the basket and celebrated. This is the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, and he was a recognized Siddha and, and so forth. So, so he was, you know, in that argument, then the the Diksha grew lacking in knowledge in some ways and whatnot was compensated for by the Siksha Guru. Hmm. Um, not the Diksha is not important, and uh, but it, but if it's weak, it could be compensated for in that way. If you have a weak seed, but it's cared for very nicely, then it can, it can still grow. And you could have a good seed and it's not cared for nicely and it might not grow. Hmm. Um, but at the same time, that said, many people were initiated. Prabhupada himself was initiated, and Bhakti Siddhanta initiated him too. So, in other words, he was initiated by a family guru, and and uh, and uh, and many people like that. Bhakti Siddhanta initiated them all. Hmm. So, it's a Siksha Sampradaya. What they're saying, what what uh, what Bhakti Vinod is saying, what um, Bhakti Siddhanta is saying, and their emphasis on Siksha is relative, very much to the time hmm, and their experience. That people are initiated formally, that people don't have knowledge, and they're practicing in some way, but they don't know what they're practicing entirely, and they're not getting the results. So, importance is there on on Siksha. It's not to minimize Diksha. Hmm. I would like to say, what's more important, the seed or the or the or the water? I guess it's a Gaudiya Kon. Zen Kon, Gaudiya Kon. <laughs> Contemplate that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, so, that said, it's, theoretically, it, it is possible, not everyone has to be Shastravit to attain, but, Bhakti Siddhanta's statement, I think, is very practical. One should not be lazy in that regard. So, you know, there are teachings. You hear it in the class. You, and it's, you should, I should learn that topic. I should learn that. I should capture that topic. Learn that. Even you'll learn it. You may forget it later, but then it'll be easier to learn it the second time. When it can come, because it can, comes up, and you have to use it for preaching and so forth. And so, and, and we have an intelligence, so we should use our intelligence. Our intelligence should be consumed as much as we have of it with learning and teaching. That's what Krishna says in the Gita, that one worships me with his intelligence by studying the sacred conversation. So this is the proper use of intelligence. Now, you know, some people have a larger problem than others. <laughs> some people have bigger intelligence than others, so they have a bigger problem. Hmm. Um, but it should, we shouldn't be lazy, we should use it, we should apply it, hmm. is the point. You have to apply your mind, you have to apply your senses, and you have to apply your, your intellect. Hmm. 
and the books are there. We've got lots of them, tapes and so forth, and lectures and things to learn and, and, and so forth, and uh, so that we should avail ourselves to that. But that doesn't mean everyone will become a great preacher and, and, and have the memory to remember even everything. And, 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 uh, but enough, enough tattva to be on course and enough sense to, um, to, to know somebody else knows the teaching better than me so I can learn something from them hmm? um, when I need to. And uh, so, um, you know, but there's a there is a there is an argument also from Bhakti Siddhanta of, you know, a kind of an anti-intellectualism. That um, and it's possible to keep it to keep it simple and make progress and and not learn, you know, all the last chapters of. Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu or Ujbalimani and uh, and so it's it's possible. Hmm. I mean the topics will become interesting as you come into them practically, but but nonetheless, um, um, I mean Bhakti Siddhanta, for example, emphasized the reading of Chaitanya Bhagavad and not the reading of Chaitanya Charitamrita. In certain chapters of Chaitanya Charitamrita, he didn't let his disciples study. Hmm? Still, you know, at a certain point, they studied them. That's an interesting point. Like Ramananda Sambhad was one, was his favorite part of Chaitanya Charitamrita for Sridhar Marsh, but Bhakti Siddhanta told him not to read it. So it means at a certain stage. And chapter 4 of Adi Leela, hmm, all of Auntie Leela, hmm, and he gave them um, this um, Chaitanya Bhagavad, hmm, which emphasized more simple things, Harinam, um, and Kirtan distribution and so forth and to get people absorbed in that and so forth in such a way that that I suppose you could say that, the, that coming in touch then with the more refined theological arguments and so forth they enter in rather than just stay up here and, and there's a great possibility that just enter into your head stay there and just get a fat head over it and think you've really gone somewhere where you haven't and, you know the, gathering that kind of information and Understanding that the, the, the theory is only useful as, as, as it fosters practice. That's why I often say, use the head to soften the heart. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to get a fat head. It's going to be a heavy head. It's going to be a headache. Hmm. Not going to help you. So, so sometimes you can find that emphasis on anti-intellectualism. You don't need to read this book or that. And, so there's a place for that too, but all these things. They, then there's the other side, and then people just just read everything and just, okay, I got that. No, okay, I got that. You know, okay. And then the, you know, the, the, to, to, so I, yeah, I read that book. I read that book. I read Ujjwal and Lilmani twice already. You know, I think I know the book. You know, okay, well, uh, you might want to read it about two hundred times. Uh, to contrast that, you have a statement like Balabatir at the Maharaj successor of Madhav Maharaj, who uh, came out with a book of his talks on Prahlad Charit, the chapters of Bhagavatam about Prahlad Maharaj. And he said, there in his book he said, one who says that they have uh, already read and understood the Prahlad Charit, and therefore they're not interested in this book, is the person who needs to read this book the most. 
because what Prahlad actually exemplifies, the standard of his devotion, one has to pass through that. Hmm. No selfishness, no material selfishness whatsoever. One has to pass through that to enter into Gopi Bhav, Braj Bhav, or Vaikuntha, or anywhere. Hmm. And that's very practical. So there, there can be that kind of emphasis also. Hmm. Look at these so-called lower teachings and really understand them, imbibe them, put them in your heart. And then you're in a place to understand things even without the, the book, theoretically. Hmm? Higher book. Hmm? It can come. That's a fact. But you can go the other side also. And, and people can say, see, we just replot, and then the next thing you know, gopi talks are all maya, and then they start making offenses to the brajbasis. <laughs> And, and people who who are you know uh, discussing teaching those topics and feel that they're 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 important in certain circles and hey, he's different and you know our guru he's 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 and he's the next thing he's sahaja and they're making offenses so anything can be abused the argument can go both ways and be properly understood and on the either side and there's some balance book knowledge. Is valuable. That's why books are written. But book knowledge unto itself can be a problem. Hmm? Real knowledge is more valuable than book knowledge. So, but then you know, I would meet people on the street that say, "Hey, you know, not going to get enlightenment from a book, right?" So that was their excuse for not buying the book, right? Which is they just cheat themselves out of the, the chance to uh, to grow in spiritual pursuit. I would say something. Yeah, it's it's it, it's it's more than a book, but more than the book. So first, learn the book, and then you get the more from there. Yeah, you know, they would say, "Hey, you know, it's not a conceptual thing." Well, that is also a conceptualization. So you know, you have to use your mind. You have to have some conceptualization, right? It's not a conceptualization in and of itself, but. A certain conceptualization will foster a type of transrational practice, like chanting is not rational, it's not irrational, it's a transrational exercise of the heart. So to have a conceptual orientation about what it is theoretically and so forth, then that helps us to engage in a, a transrational... We know the conception itself is, is not the thing, but the conception then can with what conceptual orientation we have, we'll foster a certain type of activity. So if my conceptual orientation is, hey, it's not a conception, and then you end up doing nothing, which is, you know, back to the Dharma bombs that we talked about last night, that's not very useful. What else? What's, uh, what's in the seed that is received at well, uh, that's uh, thought about differently by different persons. Um, I think the Bhaktivinoda perhaps describes the seed as faith. Um, Jiva Goswami in Bhagavatam, Kramsandarva commentary in the 10th canto describes it as some type of um, that just kind of, uh, what, do you, what do you say, uh, that which compels us to to take up the path. Um, um, 
some have taught that the, the name is the seed. Give me the name. Um, some speak of it as as the seed of a conception. Back to that. Hmm. A, a seed of 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 one's faith. The guru has a certain faith, and by faith means experience. Hmm. And so the seed of that is is given like a what would you call it? Like you know when they when they give a little bit of the flu so that you don't get the flu or something like that. Like a vaccination, you get a little something in there. Of course, it, that way you don't, so that you don't get it. But this way, so that you do get it. So you have nothing to compare it with to understand it. So there's a seed is given, and then and, and then you have some 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 scar for this in the chitta, and so then the, the practices were all relate around it and so forth. Hmm. So. Um, as I say, it's talked about in in, uh, in 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 different ways. I think that that is probably last way is a good way to think about it. Guru gives the mantra, and and, and as Sri Ramar said, "Well, there are bullets, and there are blanks." So, some people are giving blanks. They give the mantra, but they don't have experience of the mantra. So you have experience of the mantra, and you give the mantra, and then you're giving your experience with the mantra in a, in a seed-like form. Hmm? Because when you say the mantra, then it does something for you. Hmm? It's happening to you. So when I say it in your ear, it's happening in my heart. Hmm? What's happening in the mantra? Then that's what's that's what's go, arguably that's what's going in your ear and into your heart in a seed-like form. If your heart was completely pure. And, it's, and, and the, the mantra was fully activated or realized, and we'd expect an immediate result. And sometimes there are stories like that amongst associates of Mahaprabhu. We got initiated and immediately, and so forth. But circumstances are not always ideal, <laughs> both on the side of the guru or the disciple. Something is better than nothing, hmm. is one way of looking at it. Uh, and uh, one knows one can help, so... Shudamarsh described his own life as a guru, and now I, I felt something is better than nothing. I know I could help. Hmm. He said that he talked to a, he went to see a doctor once, and the doctor said, so, you know, all these years you spent, you missed, what have you gotten from it? Hmm. Yeah. Well, that was another story, and he said, well, I, I've gotten this from Krishna's bogus. That's what I got. He was a popular, you know, person in Bengal. But then, uh, it was either in that conversation or another conversation with the doctor, he, um, Shudamarsh was discussing with the doctor and, and he, he said, you know, you say you're a doctor but you can't cure everything. He said, well, yeah, I, we can't cure everything but we, we know we can help on some level. We know we can definitely do better. And so I think Shudamarsh was saying that the comprehensive doctor is the spiritual doctor. He can cure all the problems. So he's preaching to the doctor. You're a doctor but, but you cannot solve all the problems. But in bhakti, we can solve the whole problem, everything. He's trying to convince a doctor to become a devotee. And I think the doctor's reply was, well, it's true, we can't solve all the problems, we can't. But we, can, we know we can help some people on some level. And so Sridhar Marsh, in teaching him, learned from him. Hmm? That's a good teacher. Hmm? 
And he thought, oh, that, he, he came away with that and thought, hmm. That was one of a couple of events that, that occurred in his life that caused him to begin a life of initiating disciples. He thought, I can definitely help people on some, I can see. And so I should share that with them. This is his humble you know, perspective. That, and then he went to Ek Chakra, birthplace of Nityananda Prabhu, to ask permission to live in the Dham. Hmm? Wanted to settle in the Dham and do bhajan, but he wanted to get Nitai's permission. So impression came in his heart as he prayed for Nityananda Prabhu that you ask my mercy, but you don't give your mercy to anybody. His people were asking him for initiation. Prabhupada's sister asked him for initiation because she got Harinam only for Bhakti Siddhanta. She said, I'm not qualified, I'm not giving that. So, another, another god brother that Prabhupada's, um, I forget his name, gave Bhakti Saranga Goswami, gave uh, Baba Tarini Dasi the second initiation. So um, he thought, oh, Nityananda Prabhu was like, okay. He, he said, all right, you can stay in the Dham, but you have to give mercy. So he took a middle position. I'm not going to go here, there, and everywhere and chase people become my disciple, but if they come to me, I won't refuse them. Then we sat in one place, people came. That was how he began his um, initiating, how he thought about it. And and the other side is there too. People come and they're not that interested, they're interested and they think they're more interested than they are. Still you try to help them. But if everything's perfect on both sides, then you could expect something very Extraordinary to happen at once. I guess that's the theory, and we hear some stories like that amongst the associates of Mahaprabhu, which is, of course, they're already liberated. <laughs> this is the leela of Sadaka Siddhabhumi of Nadia, and Siddhas are playing the role of Sadakas without realizing it, and they're getting enlightened, and, and so forth. And everything in Bhakti has all the effects that the books say they could have, they have had, and they show examples of, which doesn't mean they happen all the time. Once seeing the Rathiyatra, it happened once, so you know it has that power. But now it happens every to everybody, uh, every every time, something like that. So to give the the seed, I think that is a, a comprehensive way of thinking about it. It's um, to share the faith and. Uh, uh, Faith is something very positive. It's cleared the doubts. It's removed the doubts. And the person is moving according to the faith. The faith is the animating force. So they're moving according to that. And and the mantra, the name, is being, and what it does to that person that's being shared in like a small, small dose hmm. to grow. Hmm. Inside, hmm. a further section practice. That help? All right, we'll stop there. See, Gauri Vasna, Puruparam Paraki Jai, Bhakti Mount Puribar Ki Jai, Gaur Nitananda Ki Jai, Gaur Bhaktivinda Ki Jai, Gaur Premanandi.